Dear God, may the words of my lips and the meditation of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. One of the most frustrating things is experiencing a mismatch of expectations. You expect one thing and you get another. Um, we had three of our grandsons for Friday night tea, and I was out visiting. Things kind of got away on me a wee bit, and Pip was expecting me to be home, and I was not there to help. Mismatch of expectations. Or she will have some ideas about how I'm going to spend my day off, and sometimes I don't really want to cooperate with her plans. A mismatch of expectations. When Jesus entered Jerusalem on the first Palm Sunday, just days before his crucifixion, there was a mismatch of expectations. Let me explain. Jesus had come with his disciples from Galilee in the north to Jerusalem uh, in time for the Passover festival. The population of Jerusalem had swelled from 50,000 to about 500,000. To give you an idea of scale, the great city of Rome had a population of about 1.2 million at that time. So there were an awful lot of people in Jerusalem. And we're told that Jesus entered a small village called Bethphage, which was on the Mount of Olives, just east of the city. He then made arrangements to enter Jerusalem in a very particular way. He could have walked, as most pilgrims did, but he deliberately chose to do it differently in order to make a statement. Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Now, here are a few observations. Legend has it that once when Queen Elizabeth I was out walking and came across a muddy puddle, the young Sir Walter Raleigh stepped forward from the crowd and laid his cloak down so the Queen could proceed without getting wet and muddy feet. Now, whether this actually took place or not, it's still a powerful statement, isn't it? A statement that you're putting a high value on the other person. You're willing to lay down your valuable garment for this person and perhaps lay down even more. Now, that's what happened next in, this, in the journey of Jesus into Jerusalem. The crowds that were accompanying him from Galilee and the citizens of Jerusalem who came out to see him suddenly converged into one mighty throng. It says in, um, in the scriptures that many people spread their cloaks on the road in front of Jesus. Others cut palms and laid them down, making a further statement of their devotion, their praise, and their loyalty. Now, this kind of entry into Jerusalem had happened a number of times before in Jewish history. And all these images would have merged together in the hearts and minds of the people. For example, when Jehu was anointed king in 2 Kings chapter 9, it says, that the people spread their cloaks before him as a sign of their loyalty. When Judas Maccabeus entered Jerusalem 200 years before Jesus, having conquered uh, pagan armies, the people welcomed him into the city by waving palm branches. And as Jesus rode along, the people shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. King David was the one who'd conquered Jerusalem and made it the nation's capital about a thousand years before. Now, here was Jesus, the son of David, the people, the people thought, whom the people thought would free Jerusalem 
and the whole nation from occupation. There were so many echoes from their history. Jesus could have walked in, as most pilgrims did, but he chose to ride. He chose to make a statement that to this day is one of the most memorable scenes in Jesus' ministry. So what were the people thinking? What did they think was going on? There can only be one answer. They saw Jesus as the new king, like Jehu, like Judas Maccabeus, like King David. The cloaks, the palms, the branches, the salutation, all intermingled to say, this is the hour of our liberation. Jesus is going to be our king. Jesus is going to be the kind of king that we want him to be. But Jesus knew that nothing was quite that simple. He had come to Jerusalem, not as the kind of king that people were hoping for. They would have called it a triumphal entry, as we sometimes do. But Jesus and the crowds had different ideas of what the triumph consisted of. There was a mismatch of expectations. Because we're notoriously fickle, aren't we? We tend to turn to God when there's an emergency. We call on God when we want something rather badly. It's interesting that church attendance goes up in times of civil strife or emergency. It was certainly true during World War II. Give us peace. Help me pay the bills. Um, restore my health. Um, give me the job I need. And perhaps the most common prayer of all, simply, God help me. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus wants us to call out for help. And God does want to help us and answer our prayers. Um, and God doesn't insist that our motives are always pure or that our lives are sorted out before he answers us. However, at the same time, Jesus will answer in his own way. God knows our human condition better than we do ourselves. And so God knows what we really need. The crowds, for example, wanted a prophet but they didn't know that this prophet would speak judgment on the human systems that divide and oppress. The crowds wanted a Messiah, but this Messiah was to be enthroned on a Roman cross. The crowds wanted to be rescued from the evil Roman occupation, but Jesus was going to rescue them from the fullness of evil and not just the local expression of it. He came to destroy evil at its root. Precisely because Jesus wants to say yes to the deepest need of all people, he must say no or perhaps wait for an answer to what we think is important for us right now. And that's the peculiar thing about prayer. Once you ask Jesus for help, he is likely to do so, but more thoroughly than we ever presumed we needed. It's like the contractors who repaired and strengthened the St. Barnabas Centre just recently. Several times they came to us and said, uh, look, we've discovered something that you might want to deal with. Uh, and so we had to spend a little bit more money to attend to the root cause of a problem rather than just paper over it and hope that all would be well. Jesus, Think of Jesus as the heritage architect who says we need to go back and back and back to the root cause of the leak or the weakness or the loss of integrity, right back to the heart of the matter. 
Or the medical practitioner who sees the presenting symptom but looks beneath to see the underlying pathology and seeks to aid the repair of the body at its most fundamental level. You know, the story of Jesus' surprising entry into Jerusalem is the story of the fundamental mismatch between human expectations and God's loving yet strong wisdom. Never is it more clearly seen than in this little vignette. Think, for example, of Peter's confession of Christ, then immediately saying that suffering was not to be part of the Messiah's vocation. Jesus turned and rebuked him and said, Get behind me, Satan. You see a mismatch there. God's wisdom is deeper than human wisdom. God's analysis and cure of the human condition penetrates down to the dis-ease of the human soul, which ultimately is our estrangement from God. As Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he is going to the cross where he will give up his life so that we might live. He goes to the cross to allow the forces and principles of evil to expend their utmost upon him. And in the process, they overreach themselves and themselves are shattered. Evil is broken and ultimately death and suffering will be no more. Not the quick fix that the evil one had offered Jesus and the temptations, but the only route that would truly save us. And this message of salvation is at the heart of our faith and the heart of our conviction as Christian people. At one level, there is a mismatch of expectations. We want the quick fix, but God and his loving wisdom offers true reconciliation, true peace, and the deepest fulfillment of our hopes. So, what are your expectations of God this morning? What were you thinking about when you came through the front door of the church? If you wanted a gentle Jesus, meek and mild, who was merely a comforting presence, um, approving of our every plan, you know, uh, with a nod and a wink, you'll probably experience a mismatch of expectations. You see, the love of God is strong and righteous, and God's love has taken hold of us to make us creatures worthy of our calling. The same love that Jesus that led Jesus to the cross because there was no other way to repair the broken world is the same love that works in our lives to repair us broken creatures, to shape us, to change us, and to make us holy. And that process is serious and tough and anything but meek and mild. On that first Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into, into Jerusalem on a donkey to the rapturous welcome of the crowds, but they wanted a king on their own terms. Jesus was not seduced by this popular uprising and instead set his face to go to the cross. Be fully aware that we are dealing with serious matters this morning. Some people think that religion is a a part-time thing or like a hobby you might do on Sundays. But surely it's the most serious thing we will ever face in our lives. There is no excuse for a mismatch of expectations. Let us welcome the king, not on our terms, 
but on his. Amen.